2: It's 12.03 on Monday, January 17th, 2022. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. Non-fungible tokens, also known as NFTs, are projected to take on a much greater role in the world, including with stocks and real estate. We're joined by Shelley Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group in New York and author of the new book, An Executive Guide to the World of Decentralized Finance. Shelley, thanks for joining us today.
3: My
2: pleasure. Uh, one of the the and we brought this up uh, before in one of your previous appearances on the Noon Business Hour, talking about the world of NFTs and and what they will mean for all of us is that right now we're in the speculation phase, and there's a lot of people mm-hmm. spending money, a lot of people playing around with different ideas. I mean, I think if you wanted to uh, uh, talk about, you know, the vast majority of NFT stories are either uh, people trying to turn, you know, pictures of apes into nfts that people can own and or buy and sell for hundreds of thousands of dollars but eventually once the speculators move out the technology is going to be there and then it is going to have practical applications and we have a venture capitalist saying that uh, stocks are one place where nfts can have a practical application so explain how that would work
3: Well, look, in practice, an NFT is a smart contract. And for those who don't know what a smart contract is, it's exactly like a regular contract. The difference is that when the terms and conditions of a smart contract are met, the uh, the contract executes automatically. So what does that mean? You set it up so that in a primary market, you set a price, someone pays the price, it gets released to you. Uh, you can also set a term that says if it's sold again, you get a commission, but you don't need to know who sells it again or when it's sold again. The next time it's sold, because it's on a public ledger on the blockchain and because the contract is automatic, it executes automatically and you will be remunerated the proper amount of cryptocurrency based on the smart contract. So that's what an NFT actually is. Um, When you, and it can represent anything, it it doesn't need to be a picture or a piece of music or a video. It could represent a physical object because an NFT is simply a smart contract that uh, gives you a certificate of ownership that is authenticatable by people who don't know you or anyone because the contract itself is on a public blockchain. So its applications are vast. We happen to be seeing a lot of people speculating in artwork and in music and in videos, and there are communities of passion and practice and interest all around NFTs. Yeah, we are in the speculation phase, as you said, Rob, but it's not gonna last. Uh, You know, This is gonna go on for a while and then it's gonna seek its own level and the actual practical benefits of smart contracts In the world of decentralized finance will start to appear and they will start to appear vigorously
2: how is this going to change let's say a piece of stock becomes an nft how is that going to change the world of trading as it exists right now especially since most trading takes place online as it is
3: it's a great question one of the big issues with stock is custody same thing with your cash right you leave your cash in the bank and generally, there are custodians of your stock. You not I don't know the last time I saw a stock certificate. And so uh, when we settle, we settle uh, inside of exchanges. There are mechanisms that are very sophisticated uh, to deal with the trading and custody of stocks. A blockchain and an NFT change that. It changes how you would take custody, who would take custody, how it actually functions from a, a purely mechanical point of view. And so there are practical reasons you might want to do it. There are practical reasons that it would take a lot of cost out of the system. There are also issues with speed because blockchains are notoriously slower than the database systems we have now. And the last and most important thing is probably the difference between centralized and decentralized authorities. When you are working with a bank like JPMorgan Chase, I'm just calling them out as a bank. Uh, could be anybody. could be Citibank. They are the central authority. You are trusting them. They are the security guard. They are the vault. They are, they are all of the things uh, that protect your money. And there's even the rule of law assigned to it. But when you put your NFT out onto a blockchain, you have the option. It's not required. You have the option to make the entire transaction trustless. And what this means is, It is fully decentralized. There's nobody to go see. The good news is no one can tell you what kind of derivatives to build or what kind of financial products you can build around it, what kind of liquidity pools you can build. The bad news is when something goes south, there's nobody to go see. So this is a wild west of, of decentralized finance versus centralized finance, and that's what's coming.
2: Well, stick around, Shelley. We're going to talk about NFTs and real estate. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. We're examining the future of non-fungible tokens with Shelley Palmer, who is the CEO of the Palmer Group and based in New York, author of the book "An Executive Guide to the World of Decentralized Finance." In our last last segment, uh, Shelley, we were talking about uh, NFTs and the world of stock trading and uh, how that, how the future of stock trading could be uh, changed significantly uh, by trading a stock as an NFT. Let's talk about the application in real estate, especially when it comes to a real estate contract as an NFT. How would that change the home buying or property buying process?
3: Well, there are a number of ways that an NFT could dramatically impact that business. Specifically, when you go to buy a home, you are buying title insurance and somebody you're going to hire hire a title person who's going to go out a company is going to go out and they're going to look to make sure the bona fides are correct and that you actually can take title to the house. Um, that all goes away because once you have the title on a blockchain and it is basically written in stone, uh, there's no insurance to buy. It's either yours or it isn't. The title's either recorded or it isn't. You either own it or you don't. So you need to get it true once. You may still be buying title insurance for some years to come. But at a certain point, this kind of um, public ledger that is immutable is going to have a very, very big impact on how one deals with title and deeds. Now, as far as real estate listings, we've seen it already. People are creating NFTs, which, again, are smart contracts for their homes and uh, listing them. And on OpenSea, there are several pieces of real estate listed as NFTs In, in a weird way. What people are not understanding, because everyone thinks about NFTs as, as GIFs or JPEGs or pieces of music or videos like a, a top shot, you can have an NFT represent anything. It's simply a smart contract. And again, as we just spoke about in the previous segment, that's a, a contract that will execute by itself once the terms and conditions are met. So you could set it up so that your house will close, literally close, the when someone puts the money in and that's kind of what happens now. And there's an awful lot of things to sign, but all of that could be digitized quite easily. Now, it would be irrevocable, I guess, in that respect. And there's a lot of legal issues and an awful big infrastructure of lawyers and real estate agents that would have to agree that this is a good cost-cutting measure. But at the end of the day, this will actually simplify the process, dramatically simplify it. Remember, we talk about settling we always think about, like, oh, it's so long for cri- uh, cryptocurrency or an NFT to clear. It could take 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. You charge something on your Visa or MasterCard, you get a zero-knowledge, optimistic confirmation that that deal is done. But you could get a charge back up to five weeks later or longer, and that doesn't settle. You won't see the money in your bank for three to seven days, depending on the deal you have, it might be 30 days. When something settles on a blockchain at five minutes from now, it's done.
2: Well, fa- that's it. It's settled. Well, that's a fascinating look into the future with Shelley Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group based in New York, author of the new book, An Executive Guide to the World of Decentralized Finance. Coming up next, taking stock of the week ahead on Wall Street. The only program dedicated to currency events.
1: You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour.
2: The coming days will include the start of earnings season, plus more discussion about the impact of inflation on the economy. We welcome in Tom Hudson, the week ahead columnist for McClatchy Tribune News Services based in Miami. Uh, Miami, Tom, thanks for joining us today. Well, let's start with earnings season, which uh, by the time Friday rolls around should give the markets a little more clarity about the trajectory of the economy in 2022.
1: And that's exactly, Rob, what investors will be looking for. The uh, fourth quarter financial results that we will, we began to see some early results late last week with big bank earnings like J.P. Morgan and Wells Fargo. Really, the crush of the earnings calendar begins in this week ahead after the uh, holiday here with a lot more S&P 500 companies reporting those fourth quarter results, which are expected to be tremendous, right? I mean, comparison year over year, think about the fourth quarter of 2020, versus the fourth quarter of business of 2021. Easy comparisons, double-digit earnings growth, double-digit revenue growth, but it's that look ahead, and the uncertainty gauge has really ratcheted up higher since the last time we heard earnings expectations, right? Not only Omicron, certainly late last year and still today, inflation expectations continue to remain red hot, and the Federal Reserve has changed its tone and tune considerably in just the past three months. From probably a wait and see to clearly taking some action to try to fend off higher inflation, really getting its grips on the U.S. economy.
2: So once all of these uh, earnings reports come out, you will hopefully a consensus will emerge about uh, what what businesses seem to think about not only uh, inflation and the impact on their bottom line this year, but also the uh, impact of increased borrowing costs.
1: That's exactly right. I, I, I think uh, we can hope for consensus. Uh, we can uh, uh, and, and really expect a little bit of individual clarity because it is going to come down to industry specific as well as even company specific. Right, uh, financial service firms like the big banks, uh, credit card operators, even uh, uh, auto manufacturers, are going to be much more susceptible to borrowing costs. Home builders. Uh, and whatnot. I think you have other types of companies, energy companies on one side, construction, manufacturing companies, and other more susceptible to inflation expectations in the supply chain woes.
2: And it seems like every sector has their own kind of, I don't want to call it a trap door, but just some piece of anxiety that they're, that they're dealing with right now. Uh, if you're a bank, you know, you'll benefit from increased borrowing costs, but at the same time, you're caught in the talent war. You're going to have to pay people yeah. more. Uh, if yeah. you're a service industry, you're going to be roiled by employees who are sick with the Omicron variant, and can't show up. Uh, if you're energy, you're beholden to geopolitical events. So everybody's got their own problem.
1: Absolutely. And as an investor, you got to learn to embrace those worries. Uncertainty is where the rewards can be made. Yes, of course, Rob, that's where the risks are, but that's why those are the rewards. That old saying that uh, that uh, you know the, the, the traders at the foot of LaSalle and Jackson have said for a good number of decades, climbing the wall of worry. Well, listen, over the past um, couple of uh, years, really, the big worry has been the coronavirus. And uh, with each uh, surge that we saw, the original version of the virus, the Delta version, the Omicron, we've seen cases obviously climb up in some cases to record levels we've seen with Omicron. But we've seen a, a less and less impact on the economic activity as companies and investors and consumers have learned to kind of manage that Omicron or manage the COVID risk. Now we're having to learn to do that with inflation and with higher interest rates, or at least the likelihood of higher interest rates, something that the market hasn't had to deal with for a good long time.
2: Well, thanks for joining us today. Tom Hudson, Week Ahead Columnist, McClatchy Tribune News Services based in Miami. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
1: This is Chicago's all news station, News Radio
2: 780 and 105.9 FM the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. President Biden tells Americans it's not enough to only celebrate the work of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., a top military leader, tests positive for COVID-19. The start of a new year, an excellent time to boost your credit score. And at Stock Picker Monday, we'll have a couple of suggestions from an investing pro. WBBM Business, the markets are closed for the Martin Luther King holiday. AccuWeather, says breezy and cold with clouds, breaks of sunshine, a few flurries. Today's high 31, wind chills in the teens. Right now we have 27 degrees at O'Hare under cloudy skies, a wind chill of 15 at 1231. Topping our news at the half hour on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, President Joe Biden calls on Americans to do more than just celebrate the life of the civil rights leader. On this
3: federal holiday that honors him, it's not just enough to praise him. We must commit to his unfinished work to deliver Jobs and justice to protect the sacred right to vote, the right from which all other rights flow.
2: Dr. King would have been 93 this year. The chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff has tested positive for COVID-19. The diagnosis for General Mark Milley comes just days after he attended the funeral of a top member of the military with President Biden. He's working remotely after that positive test came back yesterday. He's said to be experiencing only minor symptoms of the disease. It's 12:32 as the noon business hour. Continues continues. The markets are closed for the King holiday. Let's take a look at where they stand. What could lie ahead with Paul Nolte, Portfolio Manager, Kingsview Asset Management based in Chicago. Paul, thanks for joining us today. Last week, the word that would describe trading activity would be uncertain. Uh, will that uncertainty persist once uh, earning season starts in earnest?
5: Yeah, there's a couple of things that are going on here that I think are going to give us a little bit of color over the next couple of weeks. One is earnings, and we got just a taste of it from the banking side. And it came in a little bit below expectations, but, you know, it's, again, a, a very small sample size. The second one is the Fed meeting, which comes in next week, not this week, but next week. And we should have a pretty good idea then what their plans are for raising interest rates. And interest rates have been going up on their own in anticipation of the Fed hiking rates over the last couple of weeks. And that's what's providing a little bit of headwind now to the growth sector and giving a little bit of a boost to the value sector. So a little bit different than what we saw last year in the early goings so far this year.
2: Well, the markets have already priced in uh, four interest rate hikes in 2022. Uh, What would be a surprise as far as that uh, Fed meeting is concerned? I think the surprise is going to be how quickly they may decide to uh, taper their bond purchases or eliminate
5: the bond purchases altogether. And maybe also give us a little bit more in the way of what their thoughts are about hiking rates. You're right in the fact that the expectations are for four. But what's interesting is when you look at the bond market, the bond market really hasn't moved too terribly much. The short term rates are still below a quarter of a percent. uh, So It's hard to see where the markets have maybe priced that in. The yield curve is still fairly flat, or relatively so. And that's one of the other indicators for us that gives us a a clue that maybe the economic growth may not be that strong. So the Fed may later in the year back away from some of their rate hikes. So it could be a difference in first half versus second half of the
2: year. And it seems like, and we brought this up in the earlier segment, and it seems like every sector, there's 31 flavors of stress. Uh, depending on what you do for a living, uh, there is a problem to meet that, uh, whether it's the potential for increased borrowing costs, whether it's uh, just the inflation in general, whether it's the talent war underway, whether it's Omicron, Um Once earnings season is complete, uh, do you think a consensus is going to emerge as to what the economic headwinds, if they exist, uh, what those headwinds are and how strong they will be?
5: I think we'll have some sense of that. I think the expectation is for the virus to dissipate over the course of the year. Expectations are for inflation maybe to moderate a little bit over the course of the year. Um, and hopefully maybe to economic growth. I mean, when you take a look at it right now, economic growth is still very strong. We're suffering from uh, very high demand uh, for goods, and that is what's creating some of this inflation. And I think the higher interest rates are meant to tamp down some of those expectations uh, over the course of the year so. I think we're going to have some better ideas, uh, but as as you well know, uh, the markets are forever evolving and there's always a new problem that's going to crop up that we didn't anticipate this week that will show up sometime in June or July.
2: And what happens uh, when the uh, quarterly you know, earnings season continues when the Q1 for 2022 comes in and now you can't uh, deliver those uh, sparkling year-over-year comparisons to 2020, which was just a very weird time?
5: Yeah, I think that, and two, when we take a look at that earnings expectations and certainly the growth rate slowing down, the market multiple right now is is well north of 20 times earnings, and it's expecting that earnings are going to continue to grow at, at somewhere in the 5 to 10% annual range. As those come down, the PEs will contract, and that's what's going to, uh, that along with higher interest rates may provide that headwind for stocks we've had three very good years for stocks so it wouldn't surprise us to see a modest loss for the year or a very small gain for the year, but a lot of volatility along the way.
2: Well, thanks for joining us. Paul Nolte, Portfolio Manager, Kingsview Asset Management, based in Chicago. Coming up next, some simple ways to improve your credit score. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Your credit score can open doors as quickly as it can shut them. Fortunately, there are some simple ways to keep it high. We're joined by Bill Hardikoff, Senior Industry Analyst, based in Birmingham. Bill, thanks for joining us today. And it sounds like, you know, even if you think uh, your credit is sparkling because uh, you pay off your credit cards, your debt is manageable, and you make payments every month, uh, there could be some uh, gotchas lurking in your credit report if you don't check it frequently.
6: Well, there sure could be, Rob, and thank you for having me on. Uh, You know, the first thing for someone to do, and probably the smartest thing is to check your credit report for errors. Uh, It used to be that you could do that for free at all three of the major credit bureaus once a year. But with the pandemic and, you know, some of the breaches that we've had lately, uh, it is free for everybody to do each week, as a matter of fact, at all three major credit bureaus between now and April of 2022. So you should check for credit for For errors on your credit report, because if there is an error, it could be bringing down your credit score, and the credit score is one of the most important things as an adult for you to keep as high as possible.
2: And and your credit score is you know something that was established decades ago, more or less, to uh, to, to take discrimination out of lending. That everybody was a number, and uh, you know you you would make decisions based uh, on your credit score, and you would take all of the other kind of the other human elements and some of the bad things that came with it, would take that out of the decision making process.
6: That's absolutely correct. What what lenders want to do. Is is find an objective way to assess your risk. And what they've done is it, it all comes down to a, a three-digit credit score. If your score is high enough, you're considered a good risk, and that, that will translate into you having a lower uh, interest rate on any loan that you get. If you, Conversely, if you are a high risk, you'll have a higher interest rate. So you want to keep your credit score as high as possible. And there are a couple things you can do to do that. One is pay all your bills on time. That's the most important thing for any consumer to do. If you see a due date on, say, your credit card bill, you have to make absolutely sure that 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 payment is at the uh, the credit card company's mailing address by that due date. If not, you're going to get penalized, not only with a late fee, but it's going to affect your credit score immediately.
2: Credit utilization rate is interesting. Uh, you, you, you put in the piece here that if you have $10,000 in available credit to you and you put $5,000 worth of purchases on your credit card this month, that's a credit utilization rate of 50%, and they want it to be around 10 Now, let's say you do put $5,000 worth of purchases on your credit card, but you pay it off. Does that ding your credit score, or does that work in your favor?
6: No, that, that will work in your favor. You want to have a credit utilization score below 30%. If you have a credit utilization score below 30%, you're doing good. And the credit utilization, just to give a good definition, it's the amount that you owe on, say, your credit card divided by the total available credit that you have on that card. So when it comes to that, you want to keep that at 30%. Uh, You need to do everything you can to keep it under 30. Probably the smartest thing to do if it's above 30% is, get this, stop charging. Just pay everything in cash. Don't put anything more on your card. That's probably the best thing that you can do.
2: Thanks for joining us today. Bill Hardikoff, Senior Industry Analyst at CardRates.com, based in Birmingham, Alabama. Join us this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday and still to come, our Monday Stock Picker. Compounding your interest with an economy of words.
1: This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour.
2: It's Stock Picker Monday, and helping us out this afternoon is Matt Shapiro, president MWS Capital, based in Chicago. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Your two stocks uh, that you picked on this Stock Picker Monday uh, both come out of the tech space. Is there a pattern to divine from that, or are these just two that you liked? Yes, uh, for all
4: listeners out there, if you've been buffeted in the NASDAQ, we sort of had this theme where a lot of stocks, your DocuSign, your Zooms, and the 2 i I'm featuring sort of have had a round trip in a sense over the past two years. So the first one is Adobe, which of course is the PDF graphics computer company, um, just incredibly profitable, has been the bulletproof premier growth stock that, you know, every investor kind of wished they sort of had in their portfolio, Rob, but it was always going up. And it's never really had a pullback, Outside of those major corrections we had at the end of two thousand and eighteen and the beginning of the pandemic until now, so they had earnings It was a little bit of a de sell, which is going to happen to a company at some point you know high growth Adobe Cloud kind of graphics company like this um, so the stock severely punished all the way from seven hundred down to five hundred but here's really your chance to buy it um, it's valuation. P.E. ratio about under 40, 37, still kind of high, but in the growth stock realm, more than reasonable considering the quality of this company.
2: And then your next one is a uh, video game company, and that's a space that's red hot.
4: It really is. So we that's a, a sector we've been looking at to add to try to find the right one. And we we bought a little bit of Zynga, which is the Farmville franchise, and Take-Two Interactive, much bigger, has Grand Theft Auto and the NBA video game uh, franchise decided to buy Zynga. The stock dropped. We bought it then. So we feel we have the merger of both Take-Two and Zynga together in one mobile and console enterprise at, again, a very attractive forward B.E. of just 23. So a lot of buffeting in the NASDAQ but some great entry points and some really good software companies.
2: Well, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Matt Shapiro, president, MWS Capital, based in Chicago. The stocks are Adobe, the ticker symbol ADBE, and Take-Two Interactive Software, that ticker symbol TTWO. If you uh, missed any part of today's noon business hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app.